Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. I'm uh, really, really excited about my guest today. Uh, although this is kind of the first time we're meeting in person, which is creepy that I invited him over to my house. Um <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Who's the creep? <laughs> Probably me. Um, uh, my guest today is uh, Jamie Flam. He's the, do you prefer artistic director or booker? For um, the Hollywood I think Improv? it depends. I think artistic director sounds cooler. It is jazzier. For yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, like, uh, to put it on your like on a business card, it does sound better than just Booker, mm -hmm. you know? So he's the uh, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, and, uh, you know, if you don't know what that sort of entails, it's basically like he's sort of the gatekeeper to a lot of uh, comedians' careers, which is also why he has a podcast on iTunes called Gatekeeper, which I listen to religiously because you get so much insider information. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Did you have one before called uh, Long Shot? Is that what you're? Yeah, I still do. What that. was that one based on? That I've been doing that for almost or seven is it years. Based on? It's um, it started off. It was me and a comedian named Eddie Pepitone, uh -huh. and another comedian named Sean Conroy, and another comedian named Amber Kenny. That's a lot of people. It's four people, and we started in 2010, and we were just four very disparate personalities, uh -huh. and we describe it as you know navigating the the horrors of everyday life. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> the, like the premise is that we just, we always check in with each other. I think, you know, even though we're com comedians, obviously comedy will ensue. Yeah. But we're very vulnerable and... Um, comedy is vulnerable. It should be. The best comedy yeah. is. But we just talk about our lives and that's, you know, the victories and the challenges. And and so it's um, we've developed a lot of listeners who really are able to connect with us as human beings. So we're not just that's cool. talking about, you know, topical pop culture stuff per se yeah so you're just like telling like stories of what's going on in your life at the moment yeah and then we'll just I tell think that's cool stories um from our childhood it's like a podcast reality show yeah i would say that's exactly what it is i think that's that's a great idea yeah most people don't do that no i think it's um, damn it your format's better than mine you take damn it. it damn take it jamie it. no i can't listen you want today. no i'm not gonna steal it you it's already yours i don't think i own uh <laughs> authenticity or um <laughs> or reality programming <laughs> or quite you could trademark it, though. Maybe. I don't think so. No? Okay, no. fair enough. So what made you want to start Gatekeeper? Gatekeeper, I started because I, you know, my job is crazy, and booking a comedy club is insane. Because com comedians are crazy, for everyone that uh, is listening. They're, you're a very interesting uh, subset of human beings. <laughs> and so there's a, there's it's one of the most rewarding jobs in the world at times, but it can also be very challenging. Yeah. And so I wanted to create a... A show, partly for myself to be able to talk about some of these things with uh -huh. other bookers, and um, partly is to to be able to impart some knowledge to comedians and artists in general yeah. on some of the good tactics and some of the things that uh, annoy bookers. Because ultimately, yeah. I want to help artists succeed, and you know, I think there's so many ways to do it. That's wrong. a really nice way to to think about it, because a lot of people wouldn't, you know be giving out their free knowledge to well you I know the i'm an artist myself which is yeah it's, um we talked about that before we started yeah so you started out as a comic yeah you I still are a comic i still do comedy and yeah. i love writing and performing producing comedy mm -hmm. um but it puts me in a unique position of sometimes for better sometimes for worse booking a comedy club and also being a performer but i empathize very much with 
all the crazy things that go through a comic's head. Yeah. And I think it's most artists, but it's... Uh, I feel like every booker should be a performer and, and or at least have done it so they know what it feels like to be on the other side of it as opposed exactly. to just being a businessman. Totally. And it, it def- definitely gives me a lot of perspectives. And it makes it harder, though, because I, d- I really do empathize and mm-hmm. I can book maybe 10% of the comedians that are trying to get up. And yeah. so every oh, time I say make no... that's going to make you feel sad. <laughs> every day, yeah. Yeah. So part of the podcast that I started, Gatekeeper, was to, to give this perspective, too, so that comics don't take it personally and know right. how m- crazy the politics are. Um, there's I have 15 bosses, and um, so I want comics to listen and know that just because they're not getting booked doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they're not funny or they're not talented. Yeah, It's just this is a crazy world. And so then I bring on other bookers, other... Who else have you had on that was uh, a booker? I mean, the very fir- first guest was Adam Egget, who books the Comedy Store. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had J.P. Buck, who books um, who books at midnight. And um, are you not in competition at all with uh, other bookers from comedy clubs in the area? I mean, technically, I guess we're all yeah. competing for the same talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the clubs are all so different, and yeah, um, you know, and so much of the talent just will perform at all the clubs. Mm-hmm. So not like back in. Uh, was it? Would it be the seventies? Did yeah. you read that we're dying up here? Or I did, did, yeah. Yeah, where it was like they were just they would. W- was it Mitzi that wouldn't let people perform if they performed at the Improv or yeah, whatever? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Bud Friedman, he didn't. Really he didn't care. care. Yeah. But yeah, Mitzi was very adamant. It's crazy. That if you're a store comic, you're a store comic. Yeah, Mitzi Shore is the famously the owner of the comedy store. Bud Friedman at the time is or, or still is, I guess, the owner of the Improv. Yeah, he's yeah. still a part owner of the, of the club, and but yeah, no, I, there, there's. There's so much talent. There's so many comedians in L.A. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're just definitely can be very competitive. Yeah. You know, and God knows I'll look at the lineup some nights at the comedy store or any other venue. And yeah. Like, Damn, Damn it. it. Yes. Why aren't they at my club? <laughs> yes. But then. Oftentimes they do both, though. You never know. They might totally. do a surprise drop in. You know, but then there's nights where I look at our lineups and I'm, you know, you know, it's just there's an ebb and flow. And yeah, every night is so different at the improv. Yeah. Improv's one of my favorite clubs. For uh for a comedy club too, improv has very good food. I know that's just a random it's side note, but like notable. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't think I've ever. I mean, I've maybe had like a a French fry at the comedy store before. It's just not good food. I'm sorry to say it. If you're listening, anyone that works at the comedy <laughs> store, Adam, love you. Uh, but the improv actually has like really good food, like good tacos, good good burgers, good salads. Like it's it's a very upscale comedy club. Yeah, I would say that. It, w- it wasn't always like that. but Yeah, um, especially the Irvine Improv. That one's good, too. I, I've never been there. But it's I've so nice. I've heard it's really nice. And they have Umami Burger. Right. And it's huge. Yeah. The theater. Anyways. No, but our the parent company, Levity Entertainment, mm-hmm. they also have many, they're a production company, and they do a lot of stuff for the Food Network. Oh, okay. And so it's important to them that their food be really good. Yeah, food's like one of my favorite things to talk food? about or right, think let's about. Let's talk about food. Yeah. <laughs> it was a side note. I can stop talking about food now. <laughs> so uh um so you started your podcast mostly to it sounds like you you almost did it more for the comics than yourself like just to like um, it was almost like a to get a weight off of your shoulders mm-hmm. of like not having to like explain it to every single person like why you can't book yeah. them or how it works it's sort of that's kind of i was like i start I, I do that now i'll just be like yeah hey listen to this episode of gatekeeper or just listen to this podcast yeah but part of it too is like you know my ultimate goal isn't to at this point, to book a club for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, I'm a writer, like I said, and a producer. I yeah. want to make TV shows, and 
I thought it would be an opportunity for me to talk to the gatekeepers, you know, in the television and all these other industries. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's I feel like you're like in the best position to to be uh, successful as a writer and a producer because you've you've met everyone at this point, I'm sure. I mean, not everyone, but you've met more than most people would meet. Like just moving to L.A., being like, I want to be a writer, producer, you no, know, this job comedian. has opened up a lot of yeah. doors. It's still it's a smart. struggle, though. And I, I yeah. try to talk about that um, on both my podcasts. But, mm-hmm. like, I started pitching shows in the last six months with my writing partner. And, you know, we went in with huge high expectations. And, yeah. you know, we pitched a bunch of production companies and a couple networks. Yeah. And we haven't sold anything yet. But that's only six months. It's kind of the way it goes. Totally. But in um, my experience, yeah. it's like you get to know, you know, I've been, uh, uh, I've, well I've, I've, I've gone in a couple times uh for uh, shows for ABC Digital, and uh, they weren't right for me. And then I started pitching ideas, and then they sort of just became my friends, the people that work there, and the you know the people that were head- heading development. And I feel like something is eventually going to happen with them because now I know them. It's not mm-hmm. like it's it never is usually like a one off where you go in and I mean for some people, but I just don't think that happens anymore. You know, people don't get no. discovered anymore. People don't just sell shows on the their first pitch. I think it's like. I think people, I think buyers or, or networks and, and that sort of thing, I think they want to be able to to know they can bank on you. Yeah. Sort of a, like uh, they want to get to know you and they want to know if they want to work with you, you know? No, I agree. It's, it's all people. It's, it's all it's ever been. Yeah. And, you you know, obviously talent is vastly important. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, people, will and I tell this to comics all the time, like, you know, I will book comic that's cool as fuck yeah you know 10 out of 10 times mm-hmm. if i'm down to if i have to choose between all these comics if you're a dick yeah i i want to work with people that i think yeah. are cool but i mean of you course you don't want to re- reward people that are assholes either at a certain level though you're if your talent is so massive you, you might to. put up with them yeah probably because <laughs> um, at the end of the day you have to sell tickets and tv shows have to sell ads and yeah but I think, by and large, people just want to work with people that they like. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. What um, w- what is your end? What is your end goal? It is to be like a writer producer. I mean, do you see yourself doing the booking for like much longer? Or I don't. I mean, obviously, if I if you know if I sell a TV show and in the coming months, that would be um, huge. I'd probably want to focus on that. Yeah. But I have a grand vision. What I is mean, your grand vision? My grand vision. This is more than just like a five, ten year plan. This is a grand plan. I like that. I mean, that. Th- in 30 years, I want to have a theme park. Really? Yes. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, and I haven't, I actually, I should probably put that on my vision board. Eh. But, um, Do you have a vision board? No. It's like too much work. <laughs> Who wants to cut stuff out of a scrapbook or whatever, a magazine, and put it, you know? Yeah, it's a little bit too I much. got a vision board in my head. That's important, too. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but I do try to write this all down. I have I have it written down that yeah. it would be a theme park. But What? What kind of theme park? What is the theme of this theme park? Well, I think that the next 30 years will determine that. But, um, you know, I love creating worlds yeah. and universes. And when I'm writing and all the, you know, the, cool. p- the stuff we're pitching is, you know, animated series. and Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to, m- my hippie mission is to enchant the world. My favorite word mm-hmm. is enchantment. I like that. And of course, magic and people think Disney, but mm-hmm. I like to take people, you know, when I produce a show at the Improv versus mm-hmm. just book it, you know, there's live music and maybe there's a theme. I've done tiki themed shows and... you got to do more of these shows. These sound so fun. They're very fun. I feel like I've missed all of them. You'll, you'll come back. Please do another well, one. On sa- I'll tell you later. Okay. But <laughs> I, I don't know when this is coming out, but on this Saturday... Probably next week. No, Saturday the 29th uh-huh. of October. 
There'll be a costume. It'll come out before then. Birthday party for me. I'm writing that down. All right, I don't know if you down. just invited me, but I'm going. I think I just invited your entire right, cool. listenership. Well, I don't know if you want everyone there. <laughs> but I, you know, I like music. It's creating an experience. Yeah. And you know, making people feel like I want people to pinch themselves and like, where am I? I love this. It's 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 my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And it's what I've been doing for years. Did you like to throw parties and stuff as a as a kid? Like, did you like to have like your did you have like big themed birthday parties and stuff? Well, my birthday is always you know two days after Halloween. Uh huh. So I never even thought about this till right now, but I guess that did probably play a part in it. It's always a costume. Yeah. Party. That's cool. No, I, I've always loved entertaining. Uh huh. And you know. Ever since I started producing shows, like it's it's more than just come in watch a show. It's a it's a whole experience. It's a whole experience. I've really never heard anyone describe it like that. Like especially in a comedy club, I feel like that's like a missing element. I think that's very cool. Well, the comedy club always was this kind of its own experience. Yeah. And I guess it doesn't need it, but it would be, but it's cool. I I don't know. I, I like that you're adding more to it. Well, especially in this day and age, like I think everyone thinks that the improv is packed every single night, no matter yeah. what. And you know, it's it's tough. You know, it's like hard to get. It's hard to fill seat. Yeah. In this town, uh, mm-hmm. it's it takes work. So, the best shows, and you know, part of the experience can just simply be that the, the show is so perfectly booked and curated in a way that people want to come back. Mm-hmm. But you add little elements, like you pay attention to the music that's playing. You pay attention to. Um, I think that's so important. Um, the lighting mm-hmm. and the mood and. You know, if you you change the lights for a midnight show and make it feel a little bit darker and like old, you're legit making me want to go to a comedy club like right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like like you're just making it sound so enchanting. I mean, not that I don't go to comedy clubs almost every night, but now I'm just like, I was gonna take a night off, but I'm like, oh, now I miss it. That sounds so fun. (laughs) Well, it's tough because you know there's so many people and so many comics, so many outside producers and promoters. Mm -hmm. So every show can be so different. Yeah. Um, Do you? on a sh- uh, on just regular shows at the improv, do you have input on, you know, like the lighting or music or anything with that, or is it just sort of you leave that? It if it's not a produced show, if it's not you know a Jay Davis show or Comedy Juice, is it? If it's a show that the improv books, are you? Do you have input on? Yeah, for sure. The mood and stuff. Yeah, I mean we've worked out different lighting schemes and more so in the lab, which is our small space, mm-hmm. which is more intimate and. I like know, the lab. Yeah, and like, it's amazing what like orange or red lights will do just to your mood or blue light just. What which one's better? What do they do? I mean, for me, like a a, a, a red light, it, uh-huh. it makes it feel to me like just New York City in the yeah. 1940s or 50s, and orange too, and um, you know, blue and green lights definitely. It's it's kind of cheesy to say it, but like you know, there can can be a tiki or a beachy kind of yeah. feel to it. That's and cool. So it's thinking about those things, and that's the creative stuff. That's where I like to call myself an artistic director mm-hmm. more than just a booker. And it's now I understand. Now I understand why you call yourself that. Um, but th- like I said, the improv there, there's there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And that's just the, the nature of how this place has been forever. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a corporate club, so I have to pick my spots. Yeah. And I, I can't do it every night. I mean, do you tell do you tell them like your vision of that kind of stuff? For sure. And are they into it? They're they they're very supportive, but it's just we have like I said. You're so just trying places. to make sure that they don't think that you're like taking over or something or. No, no, I don't think that's. No, an option. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, but making it sort of the Jamie show as opposed to like uh, the improv. Yeah, vision. I mean, but you know, like you know, most of the nights it's just a stand-up show, and yeah. Um, so I, like I said, I pick my spots. Yeah. And, um, but I, but you know, when I have to when I do work with outside producers, I, l- I love the ones mm-hmm. that do go above and beyond. Yeah. There's certain shows in the lab; they'll bring their own Christmas lights and hanging them up. 
Yeah. Um, or bring like weird tiki things. Yeah. In. Danny Lobel, he's one of my friends. He mm. does that bookshelf show, and he actually he actually brings like a bookshelf and like puts the books in it and stuff. Like it's it's not just like here's Love a stack Danny. of books. Isn't he the nicest? He's the nicest. And that's yeah, we're we're at Second City together. He's like he's also one of the funniest. He's always the funniest person in in our in, in any class in Second City. Oh, he just he's so he's natural. Yeah, I'm just like God damn it, you're funnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's he's really good. I'm just kidding. He's great. He's <laughs> great. He's great. Uh, and a super nice guy too. Um. Is it how many? What is the percentage at, at the improv that are like produced shows? And maybe describe to the listeners what a produced show is versus like a, a club booked show. Sure. Like um, back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, Bud Friedman booked every single lineup. Yeah. You know, seven nights a week you went to the improv because it was just going to be big names, big stars. And that's, and you know, a lot of comedy clubs still operate that way. Yeah. Um, the cellar in New York, I think, is notorious. I mean, not notorious, but um, famous for. They still do that? You don't necessarily have to look at the lineup, you know? Yeah. Um, the comedy store has three rooms, so they're all over the map. But still, yeah. um, you know, in their original room, like, you know, seven nights a week, you're going to see 15 headliners. Mm-hmm. Um, the improv is just a different beast. Yeah. It's uh, it's an industry club. Mm-hmm. Meaning, we're the you know the industry's favorite club because so we do industry showcases. Yeah, um, and you then you do a lot of those. I think, I f- from what I've heard, about fifteen twenty years ago, in the late nineties, you know, the, the comedy boom came to a halt. Yeah, and that's when all the clubs were really struggling because mm-hmm. you know it was tough to get people out, so they had to rely at a certain point on on outside producers so an outside producer can be s- usually it's a comic yeah um that's really good at you know getting people out yeah to see the shows and so it's a skill in itself <laughs> it's tough in this town yeah. um and i can't even imagine before the internet what yeah. people were doing but so for better like and i said for worse um because you know we have some great promoters and we have some promoters that you kind of just rely on and mm-hmm. But the way it's generally worked is the p- outside promoter. Some some of them will book their entire lineup. Mm-hmm. Some of them book half the lineup, and then I'll book half. Okay. Um, and so, what do you prefer? I of course prefer when I just book the full lineup. Yeah. Like this Saturday, for example, our ten o'clock show is just called Tonight at the Improv. Uh huh. I booked that, and you know That's Adam fun. Devine and Gerard Carmichael and um, yeah. Eliza Schlesinger and like ten headlining comics yeah. and that's my favorite and yeah that's awesome um and like uh, there, there's some promoters that are i think their taste is really amazing uh-huh. and i love working with them and they're also working really hard to get really big names and yeah and then some promoters you know when i first got there six mm-hmm. years ago there were tons of promoters that were trading spots that's like a oh like, like what do you mean like if they put someone on their show then they could do their show exactly oh which okay. happens and to a certain extent, I think for smaller shows in LA, like, yeah, that's just you know that's kind of the economy of of, of comedy and getting yeah. stage time is you put on a show, and it's a workout w- room. Well, I think of that, and also like, uh, I mean, usually the the not the the promoter shows that aren't great are the ones that are just booking comics that can put butts in the seats, but not in a good way. Not like, exactly. uh, yeah, not well like because they're great because they are bringing fifteen of their family members there. Yeah, called Bringers. Yeah, bring yeah. And so when I first started, there were there were still a couple of Bringer shows, and mm-hmm. um, so I hang my hat on the fact that you know all of our promoters now, for the most part, are well there's definitely no no bringing yeah. whatsoever. Um, Don't you feel like they can get away with it though, and you wouldn't know? 
Well, you know, I've or you would just are you? Oh, okay. And you know. Oh, so anyone that is booked through uh, like a produced show or promoter show, like you have to say yes or no to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? They have to be approved. Yeah. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's well. Then you are definitely very involved. I try to be, and you know. See, the comedy store's not like that. I feel like they'll put anyone up. No offense to the comedy store. Well, I dep- on in, in certain rooms. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to slide someone on to one of their in-house book shows, but. Yeah. But you know, you do what you got to do, and. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm just, but that's that's cool that you that you guys are that involved with that there. We try to be because I, I believe. I mean, in this day and age, there's so many places to see comedy. Mm-hmm. There's so many things to do in LA. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you came to the club and you paid fifteen or twenty bucks and parking and there's a two drink minimum, two item minimum. Yeah. And you saw a show that wasn't great, or you it saw would be a bad reflection on the the club. Yeah. And, you know, you w- you want a an even show, too. Like, uh, it should be balanced. And, mm-hmm. you know, I tell people, like, a lot of the promoters, like, I don't know how to, you know, get people out and to, to keep coming back. And I'm like, just trust me. Yeah. Make sure every single spot is a killer. Mm-hmm. And someone that's going to deliver. Yeah. Um, because that's what's going to bring people back. Mm-hmm. Um, people remember, you know, that third comic that went up and ate shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... And it's and you know the improv is still a place you know for people yeah. to 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 grow and learn and you c- not every person is going to kill on every show. Mm-hmm. But do you have like regular meetings with these uh, pr- promoters and producers? This is just fascinating to me. I literally thought it was just like you were just like all right, you guys can get people to come to the show. So cool, do whatever you want. I didn't know you were that involved. So I like wasn't you regula- always. Yeah, and, and there's certain there's certainly cer- certain promoters that I just trust inherently, and when they uh-huh. send me names. Um, and, you know, th- I'll take a chance every once in a while, and they're like, I promise you this person's great. Yeah. I know them from New York, and they're, you know, of course, I'll look at a clip, but by and large, the rule is y- y- you shouldn't get on the stage unless we know who you are. Yeah. But that's, then you get into the politics. Yeah. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's where, so there's 30 improvs. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's all these big agencies and management companies, and I have to... You were talking about this with the Rita and Aaron. I was fascinated yes. by that, where the agencies and managers that sort of r- didn't ruin it, but it made it more complicated for, for you sure. guys. I mean, it's just that's the politics, is that you have an agency that represents some of the biggest names, mm-hmm. and you love it when they, they're like, hey, this you know huge, huge headliner yeah. wants to come, and you know you're going to sell out instantly. So then when that same agency comes at me with like I've got this young person <laughs> I'm working with <laughs> so funny or their friend or something it makes it more difficult to say no I literally was just thinking this I went to the randomly I went to the Dixie Chicks concert uh, in LA like two Mondays ago and randomly they made it seem like it was the biggest deal they were like we have a special guest tonight and she's gonna sing a song and they brought up this 16 year old girl that no one has ever heard of <laughs> and I thought to myself well, the Dixie Chicks and that girl must either have the same agent or be under the same record label or something where they were just giving that girl stage because she wasn't even that good. It was just like, it was yeah. like, you know, when they're connected like that, it's like, oh, I guess they can pull that kind of thing. Or maybe it was just she was a sweet, nice girl that they wanted to No, she, because they were like, you're, you're going to know her soon. Like, okay. they were trying to promote her like she was the next big thing. Yeah. But it, like, didn't add anything to the Dixie Chicks concert. And as a fan, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Totally, and that's, that's that's probably what agents do with young comics, and it's yeah, it's that's what happens for sure. Yeah, and so there's agents and managers, and then there's you know comics are always hitting me up, and some mm-hmm. of them they're, they're doing late night, and um, 
And then there's just the history of this place. There's yeah. 50 years this place has been around. And so, like, you know, there's a comic, you know, and then comics. like so lo- I love the history of comedy clubs. It's so fascinating to me. And so, I mean, like, when, when Bud Friedman or one an part owner that's been asked to put someone up that they know and you've mm-hmm. never heard of them and they're coming in from Vancouver and, like, you can't say no. And part of my job is I can't say no to everybody. Yeah. And so Do you get blamed if the person isn't good, even if you didn't book them? No. I mean, I, I mean, I, the audience isn't going to judge. And yeah. And there certainly comics, and there's so many comics that can't get up. Yeah. Just because there's so few spots where they get up, like, very rarely. Mm-hmm. And so I know comics. They'll they walk in. They look at the lineups. Yeah. And for the most part, they're just seeing that their name is not on there. Yeah. But when they see someone that's they've never heard of, or they think is they probably get mad yeah and i d- and i don't blame them you know yeah. like you know like it's got to be frustrating we're like i have credits and i headline and i can't yeah. get a spot here and then this and, go- and there's so many comics too and like yeah. i think i f- i felt a little bit that way when uh we did that banner pump shoot even though i even though i i mean i have paid my dues i've been doing comedy a while a long time not a long time you know what i mean i've been and i've performed not a long time uh four years but that's not I'm not, I mean, I'm not that old. I, you know, I've been doing it enough, and I've and I've you know I've done USO tours, and I've you know performed it all over the country. And I'm not. It's not like I'm a, but I I did feel that way where I could see other comics looking at me like, oh really? And there's cameras here, and you're doing comedy, and I felt really like, I felt like dirty about it. I was like, I can tell people don't like me right now. Well, it's I think it's good to be self aware. Yeah. And, and understand that because. But also, I mean, you can't but give a fuck because... Yeah, but at the same time, like, you know what? Doing a reality show is kind of a risky move. And I'm putting myself out there in a way that might not work out, but I'm trying, you know? So, like... Well, it's also Hollywood, and I I wish I could be in a position to be, like, a purist. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be doing comedy for 10 yeah. years and being passed here and all this. But that's simply not the way that no. improv operates. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, though? Sometimes, though, I do believe in... Uh, I, Barry and I were talking about this yesterday on my podcast. I actually do believe kind of in the 10-year rule. I was asking him, like, do you believe, you know, because that's like a thing people say you have to be doing it 10 years and blah, blah, blah. And I think I think oftentimes, uh, well, he said, he's like, well, have you ever heard of a, a, a sitcom uh, where it was, like, you know, based on a comic that went into syndication where the comic hadn't been doing it a long time? I was like, no, not really. He's like, you know, Seinfeld and, and uh, Home Improvement and King Queens. Those were vetted comics. Oftentimes when people get stuff too early, like they've only been doing comedy a couple of years and randomly they get a big break, they get a sitcom, it usually doesn't work out. That's a very good point. It's like, uh, and, and I, I believe that. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm happy to put in the work. Granted, four years of comedy plus like, you know, six years of acting and being in the industry, I'm hoping that I don't have to do six more years of comedy before <laughs> it happens. But like, I believe in like time and, you know, but well I think. It's, it's finding your voice. Yeah. And it just does take time. Yeah. I think it. I I can see when, you know, comics that have been doing it a long time get irritated by that kind of thing. I don't blame them. I don't blame them, but I, I, I always give the advice. I mean, it, it, entitlement is the scourge. Yeah. And I talk about that, in I think, probably every single episode of Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And I totally get it, too, because, yeah. you know, I, I've been doing but this maybe th- But maybe too. they didn't do it smart. Because there's also something to be said for, like, okay, so you've been doing it 10 years, but maybe you didn't do the right things. And maybe you had a chip on your shoulder and people didn't want to book you. That's you exactly know? it. Like, maybe there's probably a happy medium to, medium to all of it. For sure. And I think it's it's um, try to keep your entitlement behind closed doors. Like, I certainly even, you know, like, you know, like I said, I'm pitching these shows. And, yeah. like, 
uh, our show is better than this thing that they yeah. make and uh, so I totally get it and mm-hmm. certainly would never say that in a room that I'm pitching or yeah. um, especially it would be very um, hypocritical of me like yeah um, because things take time and yeah and no one owes anyone uh, anything in this town yeah I agree and so like all you could do is try to be cool yeah I think sometimes it's better to have like that sort of silent confidence and the silent sort of like all right I'll be fine I'll make it my stuff is better than that they said no but you know someone will say yes yeah and I think the most entitled people are the ones that are either rest on their laurels mm-hmm. um, they're not growing as artists they're not yeah. pushing themselves they're not working hard and so they get kind of mad at themselves and so they're yeah, and they're taking it out in that way that's very true yeah yeah and but and then there's just you know I guess bad luck and I don't know though I actually do believe there is a certain there's a percentage of people who don't make it in the entertainment industry because a it's very hard to make it and there is a sense of like you know bad luck or it just doesn't happen for some people but for the most part I do think if you're a good person and you work at it long enough and you do the right thing and you actually work at it you just don't expect stuff you're gonna have a shot to do at least be a working comic or actor you might not be an a-list person but like you're gonna have a shot to make it like somewhat of a career. Absolutely, I, I think I think 100 percent. Um, maybe it's not 100 percent, but yeah. If if you put all those things together, you're gonna make friends and people are gonna help you exactly out. Exactly. Yeah, and that's I a lot of it too. I use my own career as an example. Um, you know, I never expect I was gonna be booking a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you expect that you were gonna be doing? You expected um, to be like on SNL, or I think so I remember heard you say that on. That's so funny because I recorded an episode today where I said exactly that, and I d- did a whole intro about mm-hmm. me being on SNL. Because when I was 30 years old, I uh-huh. just moved to LA, and then I I did have this expectation of, oh yeah, I'll probably be on SNL. I'm gonna be discovered, and people yeah. gonna see how funny I am. And um, I thought the same thing when I first moved to LA, and especially when I first started doing comedy. I was like, well, I'm sort of pretty. I'm an actress, and now I do stand up. Fuck, people are gonna be beating down my door. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like just, a, just an asshole mentality. And then a couple years in, I was like, oh, nope, nope, that's not how it works. Exactly. Because there's 3,000 other people like me. Right. But anyways, yes, I get that. you can have all these things. But it, it, it is like until you dive in and you don't really know the world, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you just do groundlings. And, um, yeah. And then you just, it happens. You're good. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some of the most talented people, like crazy, crazy insane. Mm-hmm. And they're still, but you just, you don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. And I took this weird kind of detour where I became more of a producer and a booker. And yeah. But the thing is, is like, well, first of all, I believe in comedy. It doesn't actually matter what age you are. Maybe I'm self-soothing because I'm like, you know, and but I think in comedy, I mean, y- people do stand up until they're, you know, Joan Rivers, uh, what are, you know, for forever. I think you can do it at any age. First of all, you're also very young. I feel like you could easily like. Just be like, well, I don't feel like booking comedy clubs anymore. Now I just want to just only do comedy. And you could easily just do that, especially with all your connections. Like, I, I mean, that crosses yeah. my mind every day. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like you gave up on a certain aspect of it. You just... Uh, no, not at all. And yeah. I threw it all like... It's almost like you're doing... You're kind of doing it smart because you're not just like doing a bunch of open mics and just kind of like putzing around. It's like you're making the connections and you're, you know these people now. And, you know, anyone's probably would throw you on stage anywhere. Well, I could I could definitely milk that right now, but yeah. um, <laughs> but, I, but I also decided smart. that um, stand up comedy. I actually made a final stand. I went to New York in 2010, right before I started working at the Improv, uh-huh. um, or about a year before, and 
I went to New York for a month and I was like, I'm going to get up every night. And I, I really had the goal of like, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. And about two or three weeks in, I was like, no. Yeah. This Why? is a grind that I'm not in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, you know, like uh, to be a comedic personality, yeah. um, it's, it's infinitely easier when you're known. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just keep producing and making things and, mm-hmm. and then I'll always be able to perform. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the hard work that it takes, and of course you look yeah. at Louis C.K. and Sarah Silverman, or you know, fifty other people we know and love, like it yeah. it's you have to love, 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 love it. Yeah. More than anything, and be willing to maybe, you know, sacrifice ten or twenty years of your life just to getting up every night to yeah. becoming a, a fucking killer. Yeah. Like that. I think I love comedy that much. That's great. Yeah. And you should. And you should keep doing it. Yeah, I think. I I I I'd be okay with that. Yeah, and and a lot of people are. Yeah. I do think even though at a certain point even with uh someone it's like at, at Louis or Sarah's level, I feel like even at that level you probably still get insecure though like what am I doing with my career? Like uh or like not what am I doing but like is it this could end at any moment. I think there's always self-doubt at any level that you're at. I think so, especially in comedy. Yeah. Because like people are gonna think I'm funny. Wait, maybe it's the young, maybe it's YouTube people. Maybe it's not me anymore. Maybe, you know, oh, people are bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. I went to UCB for the first time mm-hmm. um, last week, and for the first time, looking around, I'm like, oh, I'm not young anymore. Like, <laughs> and seeing like comedy has <laughs> changed because I basically yeah. lived at the Improv for like yeah. the last six years. So, it's I think stand-up isn't. Uh, people I feel like are older in stand-up. I don't feel like it's like a bunch of young people running around. Uh, uh, sketch and improv and those things. I feel like it's a lot of young kids. Like, mm-hmm. the people, like, there's a lot of people I admit Second City with that are, like, 19 years old. I'm like, you're a child, you know? And I don't think that is as much in stand-up. I feel like at least most of the people I know are I not. There's definitely a lot of young people, but there's people that have been doing it for so long, so there's, yeah. there's definitely a lot more Yeah, but the young people aren't around as much. Maybe in stand-up it's like you don't put them on stage when they're super young, maybe? I don't know. I just don't see them as much. Well, it's, it's certainly I'm thinking, like, open mics. and. Well, yeah. Um, oh, okay, okay. But, um, yeah, and especially at the clubs, like, you know, it is comics that have been doing it for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, you want to get people that are big and famous because um, that sells tickets. Yeah. But most of the other people that get booked regularly, they've been doing it for a decade. And mm-hmm. another thing that people forget is, like, consistency is so key. And yeah. You know, there's comics I love, but you, you don't know. I can't be certain that they're going to deliver yeah. a set and they might go off the rails and why just because they're not like their comedy's not there or you think they're like not mentally I think uh, uh, they can be both for yeah. sure and um and just like they just haven't that's just not what they do and like that so you want to have people that you know you Well know, it's a level of professionalism I think some people don't have I mean it is kind of it's a job it, you know you have Absolutely. to show up and be professional you can't be shit-faced on stage and stuff for sure, and I think because of you know the comedy world and the scenes are so big, and there's like this alty world, and yeah, you know, part of my mission has always been to bridge the gap because I came from the independent comedy scene and mm-hmm. from the improv and sketch world. Um, but there's such a looseness, and there's such a difference between playing a small bar show or even a UCB, and yeah. where everyone there is loves comedy. And they're on your side from moment one, and mm-hmm. they're going to give you all love. And You mean the audience? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so you have a lot more freedom to experiment. And um, 
to futz around and read from your notes and oh uh, yeah and Can't so do there's that nothing wrong with that but yeah and so when i first started booking improv i would book a lot of the people from that world that i've been doing shows with for three mm-hmm. years and they would bomb or just yeah you know, not do as great and so when you're going up at a club a mainstream club and there's certainly nights where you have a savvy audience or yeah people like they didn't even look at what's on they're like i just want to see comedy i want to laugh yeah and they want people that are like joke 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 Mm -hmm. and they're big and confident and yeah there's you're totally right but no i mean i i totally agree with you i think when you when you know you're going up at a well, I, I mean, as even as a comic, like you try stuff out at, at, at smaller shows and stuff. I know when I go up at the improv, uh, you know, or I- any improv, even like Irvine, anyone, it's like, nope, you do your best stuff. This isn't really a time to experiment. Exactly. You know, yeah. you can do like a little joke here and there, but, uh, you know, I'm not big enough to be trying stuff out on stage at the improv. Exactly. Like the, you know? the, the big, big names when they drop they in improv, that. that's, yeah. that's their workout room because yeah. they're doing stadiums and the yeah. big theaters. But that's usually the only time that's okay to be really exactly. big to be like trying stuff out there. And I have so few spots, so when I do, I'm able to get someone up, and they go up and kind of throw it away. Yeah. I I don't have the, I, the ability to put that up again, or yeah. it's going to be a while. You know, I see people get up in the first 45 seconds to a minute of stage, they're just kind of pacing around. They're not saying anything, or like. It's crazy. Like, no, just get up there and do your material. Like it's a yeah. professional. Do your. Do your work. Yeah, you're lucky to have that spot. Especially, okay, you said so. Uh, was it the what your one with your friend Sean, where you said you get a th- 500 to a thousand comics call you for avails a week? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? And you have how many spots? Well, let's look at a typical week. And I, I definitely said this on other podcasts, so I'm sorry if if I'm repeating. But a no, typical week I'm at the Improv, and now it's a little bit better because there's two rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with our lab room, there's there's, I'd say like. 80% are outside book shows. Yeah. Um, so Monday is our, our urban night, Mobetta Monday, yeah. which has been there for 20 years, and I don't book any spots. Uh-huh. Um, like, t- tonight at the Improv, we have a one-woman show in the main room. It's sold out. It's, like, for charity. Oh, cool. Who um, is it? Her name is Jeanette Reesey, and um, um, I don't think it's even stand-up. Yeah. Um, but that's it came to me from a friend of the clubs, and yeah. Um, but it's not a show I book spots on. Every Friday at 10, we have Hollywood Babylon, which is Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman's podcast. It's a live podcast. Oh, cool. Um, every Last week, we had on a Wednesday Frontier Comedy, which is a showcase with Jim Jeffries. And mm-hmm. But it was all comics showcasing for industry. Yeah, I was there. In Australia. Um, I didn't watch it, but I, I was there. And then most of our headliners that I book, uh-huh. um, like I'll book the headliner, but they're bringing their all their own talent. Or all their so own there's openers. not a lot of spot. So... So why do you guys even have people call in for avails? I it sounds it's like sur- sometimes surprises me that people are still send them in. Um, so th- on a good week, to answer your question, yeah, on like the best week, maybe I'm booking 15 spots. That's crazy, and you maybe get that many calls. More, like, um, yeah. So what do you do? I mean, is it do they leave it on a voicemail? Is it what is it? So that I get th- we have an email system. Oh, email. Okay. And so, so you just ignore the email? No, well we print them out and. I'll just see like hundreds of names, and so when I'm booking, yeah, you know, first I have to go through like, all right, Dave Attell's in town, so I have to make sure like I can get Dave up, and then yeah, all the big names. Um, and then it's I have my list of like oh APA and CAA and yeah, um, Brillstein or whatever it is. Like they're like yeah. putting their requests in, and I can't do all of them, but 
where am I going to fit these people in? And then my boss calls, and so there's these people that need to get out. Then I go through, and I'm like, all right, you know, these 500 names, Mm -hmm. you know, who are the, like, you know, the the biggest and best? Mm -hmm. Who are the the young ones that I I really want to try to get up and give some love to? But then it just gets all sucked away. So that's hundreds of people. That is crazy. It's crazy. Your job is crazy. I mean, really, like, uh, I can imagine, too, like, feeling like, had so much pressure, feeling like you're, like, because it's, you know, people's careers are so it's their whole life. And, like, God, you must just feel like you're, like, <laughs> like it's all in your hands. I mean, it's I not do. technically, but no, kind of it is. I mean, well, I not, not their entire career, but, yeah, that's. But I tell a lot of people, like, you, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And improv is, it's, it is a place, and because I tell people, oh, just you have to go up everywhere. But it mm-hmm. is a place where I still people, like, I'll get an email or someone will come up to me, like, thank you for that spot or yeah because x and x producer was here and now i'm doing this like yeah that's cool it is this magical place where you can still do a set and yeah it can be career changing yeah but not i don't think to the extent that people are like i'm not getting up there i'm never gonna make it like yeah i don't think it actually makes me feel better to know that you know know that that there's so few spots because there's so many people that that make it despite that so it must yeah not necessarily. I mean, it matters, but not to you know. It's not career yeah. ending to it's not, it's not you know. Be all end all and yeah. And if you work hard enough, and I, I tell people like, if you are doing great in the indie rooms, yeah, and you're doing great at the other clubs or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hear about it. Like, yeah, I'm friends and know so many comics, mm-hmm. and I try to have my ear to the streets of yeah. what's happening. And well, and if you're a comic too, you got to be smart and know who's producing shows. I mean. Half the time when I perform at the improv, it's comedy juice because Mark's one of my friends and he mm-hmm. knows that, you know, we've been on tours together. He knows that I'm, you know, uh, he can bet for me. And so it's not like I'm just relying on like calling the improv, like asking for spots. It's like, no, I made that relationship and now I know I can ask him or, you know, Danny to do a book. Like, you know, y- it's kind of up to a comic to get themselves up at these clubs too, especially knowing there's so many produced shows, you know? Totally. Yeah. It, it's, there's so many people to know and, mm-hmm. and, it's important to say you can sniff, I can sniff anyway, but I, I'm talking to other bookers, um, the hustlers. Yeah. And you got to hustle. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You, you got to be committed and, and do the hanging out and um, talk to people and meet people. and But you can sniff the ones that are just like just angling and you can see I it. I, I, I know I've, o- I've always had a theory about this and I think that people can – I've never, because, you know, I've had friends tell me, like, with, with, like, you know, industry connections or people I know, they're like, why don't you just ask them for a favor? I'm like, how would I feel if someone just was always asking me for favors? Like, I would rather develop, like, like real friendships with people. And then if it works out and, like, you know, we, we end up working together, they want to do awesome. But I hate the feeling of people asking me for stuff. So I would, I can't even, Im- I can imagine, like, being in your position, just people, like, you know, just yeah. even, like, just being on, I mean, you know, Vanderpump Rules, it's not like my proudest project, even though I've not embarrassed myself when they've showed <laughs> my comedy. Um, but it gets a shitload of views, and it has, you know, the, the people on the, the main cast members on the show have millions of followers. I started noticing, even from my small, you know, role on that, I would just get random messages from people being like, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast. I'd love to have you on this, and bring all your friends from that. Like, I'm like, wow, right. that's, uh, that's pretty transparent. Like, I can Im- I can only imagine in your position how that must feel. Like, it's just, you can see it, too. You can smell it. It's annoying. Every time. Yeah. 
people think yeah. they're better at it than they are. I think you said it. it it's it's when you genuinely become friends with people. Mm-hmm. It um. And you like the people. Like I would never. Like them, yeah. yeah. And I think the same goes through me and my instincts. And I think there are bookers um, who are much better at this than me that are just relentless. But you know, a lot of the bigger names, I even and people think oh, I was booking Hollywood Improv. You just you know, every single night, um, uh, name a huge comic is calling me because they want to get up, and I all I have to do is pick up my phone or send one email. Really? And these huge names are just going to come like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that easy. Really? Um, no, it's, it's you know, there's certain comics, it's, it's really tough and takes work, and only when they're around. And But I never want to, like, I feel like I'm the annoying one mm-hmm. when I'm hitting them up. Yeah. Um, and so... But you're not. I mean, I feel like some people in my comics position love attention and stage time. I don't think that. But you know, s- especially ones that are can go up anywhere they want any other yeah. week. It's it but I, I've tried to develop real relationships, and yeah. s- so it's taken some more time. Mm-hmm. And some of the big names, like, and this is so name droppy, but like, <laughs> like last night, for example, Adam Sandler mm-hmm. popped by. He wanted to do the lab. Yeah, I saw that he did the lab and the and the main room, right? I don't know if he did the main room last night. Oh, I thought someone said he did both. We're trying to get him to do both. Yeah. Oh. But um, <laughs> he's a g- like a guy now that will hit me up mm-hmm. randomly when he wants to go up. But um, you know, when the first time he came back, because mm-hmm. you know I've been there almost six years and he hadn't been there, and then maybe about a year. Was there? Why was he not coming back? Is it just? I think he's just been busy and. Yeah. Like I said, there's kind of an ebb and flow, and th- people come in waves, and there's some comics yeah. that were there a bunch my first couple years, and they haven't been back since, and some that are only coming around now. It's just. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but w- his first time when he c- walked in the door like a year, year and a half ago, it's crazy how people swarm. And a lot of the promoters. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the people. Oh, uh, yeah. Like you see them just like, hey, Adam, Adam, my name is James or whatever my name is. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, you know, I waited till everyone cleared out and then just very quickly, like just a quick handshake. Hey, Adam, I'm booking the club. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's like, hey, thanks, man. That's so the right way to do it. And then when he came around again, like, you know, having a, a shorter conversation but uh, now to the point where like when he comes around he's he's, he's cool he knows that i'm not going to be hitting him up every night and yeah and i think he appreciates that and i think a lot of the comics appreciate that oh yeah i'm sure but it's taken a lot more time um for that yeah because of that approach yeah but it, it's it's the it's the better approach because i don't think people trust it i mean i've i see it even you know again with like uh you know, Stassi and, and my friends from that show, I can see just, like, people just, like, lurking around them, like, just trying to figure out, like, if they just post one thing with me or if they just post my product once or something, like, it's going to, like, change this, you know, random person's life. And it that's got to feel creepy after a while. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's smart to, like, do it, the you know, the right way. It's genuine and authentic yeah. and be cool. Yeah. Most people don't have that skill. No. But they really don't. Um, I have other... Oh, what is your uh what is your biggest pet peeve as a booker? Like what 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 like uh in terms of what's like the maybe top 3 things that comics do that that you would love that they wouldn't do? That's a really good question. Um let me think. I mean I can get so many texts and emails and um what is the specific thing that they could do and that I have to create this whole podcast where I talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I think 
like I said before, I mean entitlement and like coming off like, you know, sending an email like, um, and this has happened, you know, quite a few times. Yeah. But like, a drunk Facebook message, <laughs> um, at three a.m. Like, you know, when this person was booking the club, I'd get up every week, and I haven't been up in three years. And oh, Jesus. Um, or just emails like that all the time. And yeah, where it comes like it they're angry more than they are like. Yeah, like really appreciate versus a spot versus um, not even I appreciate a spot, but like like, and I get this with this all the time too, and it but it's it's not it's like hey like sometimes they're like like self aware of like uh, I hate to be annoying yeah, but um you know just letting you know I'm alive and um if there's anything out there I'd love to ha- get up yeah um you know with like uh you prefer that approach oh absolutely yeah just like and it's still just like getting a guarantee you're gonna get a spot but it's like. They know it's annoying. Yeah. I hate to like do this. Mm-hmm. But but also it's like recognizing that. like you, you do have to be persistent and so I appreciate that. Yeah. Another one I thought of is comics that uh, come up to me when I'm in the showroom mm-hmm. and start ch- you know, chatting with me in the back. You know, it's when I'm in the showroom When you're trying to work. Yeah. And, and it's li- it's you're not really supposed to be talking that loudly during comedy shows. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's a whole other thing, but <laughs> yeah. It's you know, there was a point like earlier this year where I couldn't be in the showroom at all because just like my sonar ears will just hear everything if people are talking if comics are talking but it's the rudest thing when comics are sitting in the back talking yeah and because of course you know how would you feel if a bunch of people are just chatting away oh yeah it's so annoying when you were on stage yeah and so when comics come up to me and I'm sitting in the back and like they start just just you know yapping away I'm like I'm watching a show like if you were up there yeah and the booker was, like, trying to, like, pay attention. Exactly. How mad would they be? Totally. So that's another pet peeve. Yeah, I think it's just people aren't very self-aware. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Um, I have a few more questions for you. Yeah. Hopefully you're yeah. not getting bored. No, I love talking, too. Okay, perfect. Well, you again, you started as a comic. You must love to talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I love attention. <laughs> and I love LaCroix. Do your listeners know that you provide the sparkling s- uh, sweetness of... I mean, they should. Pomplemousse. It's it's grapefruit in um, whatever uh, language that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. is that French. I had no idea. It must be French. I'm not. Uh, I don't speak any other languages. Very Listen, I'm from Astoria, Oregon. The schooling was the school system wasn't. We had like two years of Spanish they offered. That's about it. Anyways, um, uh, okay. Next question. <laughs> what do you look for in new talent? Um, that's another good question. Um. The short answer is, you know, passion and, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they have to be good, too. They have to be good. I think it's th- they're all cliches at this point, but, you know, yeah. having something to say, mm-hmm. um, having a strong voice and being unique. Yeah. Is there a subject you're sick of hearing on stage? Like uh, where you're just like, God, do they not that kind of joke again? Uh, certainly. Th- I mean, there's so many. I, 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 I feel like philosophically you can make anything funny. Yeah. And there's so much hacky material, but if you have an, a, a new and fresh angle on it, you can make anything funny. That's a very nice way to think about it. I mean, there's... I mean, I certainly have things I could totally go without hearing. <laughs> well, everyone talks about, of course, dating and... Um, but also, it's recognizing, of course, everyone's talking about dating. Yeah, like that's true. We're human beings and... Yeah. Um, so as long as it's, a, it's an interesting take on it, yeah, you know, there's, there's always going to be... Something funny. Yeah, that's true. God, you're a really nice guy. Yeah. You don't have anything mean to say. 
Well, I mean, there's, there's plenty what's of comedy I see that I don't think is funny. What's your favorite type of comedy? A favorite type of, like, political? You like uh, personal experiences? You like set-up punch joke type? You like stories? I don't know if I could pin down one type that I like. Because mm-hmm. I think it really does come down to the performer. Yeah. And the artist. Because there's there's people, like, there's a guy named Brent Weinbach. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's one of my favorite Sounds comics. Familiar. And he's... I guess the best way to put it is bizarre. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> really smart, funny, very unique. He's a, he's a performer. Uh-huh. Um, and he blows me, me away every time. And then um, there's amazing storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all those genres, there's great people that do all of them. Yeah. I feel like I like more storytellers than just like set up punch jokes. I never... Because there's not enough payoff for me. I'm like, well, I didn't just got over that last one. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah, I d- but I'm sure there's people that do it really well. I'm like, I've made, you know, great careers off of it. It's just not my favorite. I think, and there's a lot, the lost, the performance is a lost art. Like, you know, there's so many comics and, you know, you have to have something to say. But mm-hmm. and I, th- I think Gerard Carmichael is a good example of like, He's even uh, even he like uh, he has this kind of like I'm just kind of coming up with the moment, but even he is a great performer. Yeah. Um, putting some time and thought into yeah what you're saying, and it comes down to me. And I, I if you listen to anything I talk on, I always say this as an example. So I'm like apologizing to people. Um, <laughs> but connection versus validation. Is okay. A key Explain that. So, you know, when I first started in comedy. Mm-hmm. like so many people it's like i'm funny i think people think i'm funny i'm gonna write some jokes and you get on stage and you're like hey everyone look how funny i am yeah aren't i funny look isn't it i'm so funny <laughs> my jokes are funny they like they think i'm funny and you can get away with that and it does it, you could be very funny mm-hmm. but as soon as you have a bad set um you're fucked because all of a sudden you made no connection yeah and it, it Versus writing and performing um, with with material that you connect with and with the sole intent of connecting with an audience, mm-hmm. trying like looking through your set That's and being like, point. "How is this going to connect with other people?" And I, uh, something I, I see a lot of, especially in open mics, is like, "I, I, I, me, 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 me." Yeah. And of course, you want to talk about your personal experience, and you should be. I want to write this down. Connecting. Uh-huh. Yes, That's but a great point. But instead of, and this is not y- universal. This isn't like just like you can apply this anywhere but if you're saying like i i work in an office with a guy named gary who's um he's so annoying mm-hmm. you know you, you might have a very funny story and people will laugh versus try to look at it through like have you ever worked in an office there's always a crazy person yeah now all of a sudden it's about the audience mm-hmm. and they're like yes i work at a place with a crazy person yeah and then you can still deliver the same jokes because the premise should be very universal it should be that's what should be connecting that's a very good point so it's it's like it's not a catch-all it's not gonna work so it's framing time. it in a way that where where they're involved as opposed to just like hearing you just like tell your stories exactly. pretty much yeah the biggest names can go up and say i did this because you know them yeah you've been watching them on tv for years uh, so you have to get up to that point yeah but especially when you're starting out like really make it about the audience and mm-hmm. about them and you can still of course tell personal stories but really put it through that filter of why would someone listening care about this why would they care about me 
Yeah. And they're going to care about you when they can see themselves in you. Mm-hmm. And so almost spoon feeding that to them is it's a good. It's an incredibly good point. It's, it's something you don't even think about. It's and almost it's like, um, did you ever read? Well, I'm, I'm not even saying I read it. I read like the 10 <laughs> bullet points on it that had to fr- win friends influence people. It was a, uh, it's obviously a famous book that everyone's yeah. read. Uh, and one of the th- main things they, they said that it was like in a party of people they did like a study of like who was the most liked. They like polled, and it were were it was the the people that actually listened mm. and talked, didn't talk about themselves. Were asking other people more about like the the perception was that that person was the most interesting person in the room, not because they were saying the most interesting thing, but the person on the receiving end figures they're interesting because they're asking them about them. And it kind of makes sense for that point of like. Once you involve the audience, it's not just like you're talking at them. It's like, well, they're involved. And they think it's yeah. somehow now about them, too. That's key. Yeah. You want to laugh at the humanity of it. Yeah. Um, like and w- just I've not being a narcissist, basically. Yeah. And it was just tough. It's yeah. really tough because if you want to have a career in the performing arts, yeah. you have to have some measure of ego. Mm-hmm. If you have if anyone that's going to no, get on stage. But you can have an ego and still be inclusive of other people and their feelings, you know? But it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I, you know... Have met with a lot of people um, in. This sounds so douchey. <laughs> I've met with some very powerful people. <laughs> it's not douchey. <laughs> it's the truth. But you know, I've noticed that almost 100 percent of the time, like you know, this big agent or manager or huge mm-hmm. um, comedian, they're just listening. Yeah, they're incredible listeners. Like mm-hmm. I'm going, and, and you like them more because of it. I'm like that. That, that they're the coolest person because. They had done all these huge things. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who should be dominating the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why am I still talking? Like, yeah. Th- th- but I think a genuine, genuine curiosity about people mm-hmm. and lives. Well, because there you, it, I think to be successful, you're always learning, and you actually, you know, and I think to to run a big company or run a big business, you have to care about other people mm-hmm. and their lives. Otherwise, you're, you know, not really going to be successful. And probably. Also you've heard this a million times, but it's true, and I see it now more than ever. It's like. The person you're talking to, like you, Rachel, mm-hmm. you're going to have a TV show next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like, hey, and you're going to have a network. I'm going to want to be pitching to you because yeah. I want to get my TV show on your network. It's, it's, you know. You n- yeah, you never know who you're. Is that what you're saying? Like you never well, I mean know you where. Should, it should be a genuine, like, you l- being nice to humans because they're humans. But yeah. But you really don't. And A lot of people don't have that. I've, th- I've found that a lot uh, just with, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a confident person in the sense of like, I know I'm going to be successful. And so it doesn't really hurt my feelings when people are, are rude to me. But I always think like, you don't know who I'm going to be later. Like, mm. you know, like I had an executive years ago uh, wh- whom I actually like ran into recently and he apologized to me for it. But for whatever reason, we'd all been friends for years, this group of friends. And uh, he decided that he liked me out of nowhere. Cool. <laughs> but uh for some reason, like it meant something different to him when we hung out. And then when I wouldn't date him, he got mad. And he mm. basically said, like, you'll never be on a TV show on my network ever. And I was like, that is the douchiest thing I've ever heard. And it, But it didn't phase me. It was just kind of like, that's just mean. And well like, that's a whole other. But you no, know, but that's a whole different thing. But even if you take out the dating aspect of it, just take out, you know, like even just someone where, you know, like a like a someone powerful in the industry. If they're dismissive, like let's say they want to talk to the be- the better person in the room and they're dismissive of you, I always remember that kind of thing where I'm just like, 
all right, I would never be like that to someone. Like, I'll remember that. Like, there's going to be a time where we're going to be sitting across from each other, probably mm-hmm. negotiating something, and I'll remember that you were really rude to me. Granted, I'm pretty forgiving because I know people get busy and stuff, but, sure. you know, I, you've got to be nice to everyone. Not just for the industry aspect, just because it's the right thing to do, but you never know. You never know. And you know? Yeah. And, and people get blinded by that. Like, you c- I can even see it just, like, hanging out at the bar at the improv when, s- when you know, a big comic walks out. Like, you were saying, Adam Sandler, people just, like, rush over there and, and uh, you know, like, forget about their friends or forget, ab- you know. And it's like, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. And and they can sense that. And everyone can. It's just yeah. I, I'm finding that more and more, whether it's per- performing or making connections or whatever it is, it's showing your humanity. Mm-hmm. Is and and being a real human being is is at the core of yeah. success. And I think you can be because there's there's a there's a perception that you know to be successful like you got to be a cutthroat you got to step over people to make it. But I don't think that's true. I think that works for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can have even more lasting success by actually being a good person and you know developing relationships and not being cutthroat. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah. I can tell you. I can tell you're a really good dude. I I could tell oh. from your podcast. I could tell. I was listen. I have, <laughs> I have a good perception of people for the most part. And even just from your podcast, I was like, he seems like a nice guy. I'm pretty nice. I mean, yeah. I'm behind closed doors, sometimes like you're just just smashing glasses against the wall oh and just yeah. like you know. No, I hate I mean that person. I can talk shit. If Vanderpump Rules films films here one more time. <laughs> you it, it, you can it's 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 difficult because. You know, you're bred to be a go-getter and a mm-hmm. cutthroat, like you said. And I, re- I genuinely try to be nice to everyone. But, like, like you know, there are times when this job gets very frustrating. And Yeah. What's, like, your <laughs> what's, your, what's your worst, best and worst story? You don't have to name a name. As far as what? Just in the working where you work. Um, like, uh, like, coolest moment. You were kind of asking Rita and Aaron this, and they're like, what was the coolest moment? Something like that, but then also like where it was just terrible. Well, I think the coolest moments. I mean, obviously the, the, the crazy huge people have walked into the club. Yeah, like Paul McCartney was there last year. Yeah, I, uh, several times. Mark said yeah. he like would he was like kind of regularly coming for a while. Yeah, he came three That's or four crazy. times, and that was what was really cool about that was you know Judd Apatow was there that night too, mm-hmm. one of those nights, and That's insane. When Paul McCartney is standing right there, and I'm standing next to Judd, who I look up to, yeah, you know, like me and Judd were on the like the same level at that point because it was just like Whoa. we're just a couple of dudes, and that's Paul McCartney. Um, that's really cool. So seeing like that's an awesome your moment. favorite people geeking out is yeah. really cool. That's like really cool. <laughs> so that was like one of my you know favorite nights, and then you know I think about one you know there's some interactions, but timing like um we talked about i I perform sometimes Mm -hmm. and when i perform it's usually a ridiculous character yeah me and my writing partner vanessa um, performing partner we play a married couple on stage called the spanglers (laughs) and we've been doing them for years and we love it and it's silly sounds really funny it's really stupid and silly (laughs) and we wear bedazzled fringed vests that's already sounds awesome (laughs) that we bedazzle ourselves <laughs> we play the very cheesy couple. I want to see this. They're obsessed with performing, and it's, it's very stupid. Um, so, 
you know, when I'm performing like you or anyone else, like, you know, you and we're usually hosting. So, like, you know, this is our show. We have a band and yeah. I get into producer mode. And so I'm, you know, before the show running around because, like I told you, like the experience, especially when I'm, it's a show that I'm actively producing. Yeah. There's the lighting light. Like every detail. If Are they letting the audience in before we were, like that will kill my soul. Like I'm like, yeah. what this room is? No, it's magic. Yeah. Know? Like Sounds stressful. People walk in and the, the like the house lights are still up or like like are over. Like uh-huh. To me, like that you're exposing. <laughs> the whole thing is over. It, it no, but I can see if you're a perfectionist, that would, yeah, that would, that would bug the shit out of me. So I'm in that mode and I'm also trying to get into performance mode. And mm-hmm. so it can be very frustrating. And so a few times this last year when we've been doing that weekly, your comics, for whatever reason, feel like that's the time to come you know, bug me about spots or that is so rude. Um, in a couple of cases, like even like I said, like it can be a little aggressive sometimes. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, I've been working here for twenty years and um, I can't get a spot. And you put you're putting some of these bullshit people up. That's another pet peeve, by the way. Uh, what? When people, it's probably happened a dozen times. Like, it's like you 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 put up this shit and then I can't get up. Like oh yeah. The worst way to get on my good side or on the side of any sort of booker or curator is to, you know, criticize your skills in yeah. booking and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're essentially insulting you as much as they're insulting the comic. And as I told you, like, sometimes like, I get it. Like, you know, like I didn't book at this lineup. And but also yeah. it's just like, don't if your impression is that I'm booking every spot and you're going to talk shit, then I'm definitely not going to book you. Yeah. Anyway, I just remember being like... No, that would be really annoying. I wanted to have... There's a rule. Like, if the booker of the place that you're trying to get is wearing a fringed, <laughs> dazzled vest with that flowers... That means he's probably performing. Yeah. Leave him alone. That that would be... Th- that's incredibly rude. <laughs> you're about ready to go on stage and people are just like, but what about me? Yeah. More more about me here. Yeah. Exactly. And that's part of the reason that it's, it, I've tried to not perform as much, too, because... Uh, like people should have the respect to leave you alone now. I agree. Don't let them not like, stop you from performing. Don't worry, you'll get to see the Spanglers. Yeah, thing. I was like, I was like, I feel like I've missed <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, you have, honey. <laughs> I, seriously, I'm jealous now. Mm. I haven't seen one of these. Damn it. Well, I'm coming to the birthday. Great. There's gonna be someone at the door being like, "Please don't let Rachel O'Brien in." Uh. <laughs> no, you'll you'll be a VIP. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. very nice. I love inviting myself places. Um, so. Let's wrap this up, I guess. Even though this has been really fun, what's fun. what's next for Jamie? Besides, okay. well, you already said the producing, and the, but I, what's what's the what's the next step? Well, I, I or planted the seed for the amusement park, which is awesome. The theme park, um, but to get there, I my next phase, you know, um, whenever I end up leaving the improv, will be, you know, I want to have a production company, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just want to be start producing things and getting my name out there as a producer. And um, I feel like you're going to be a success with it because you've already done it, sort of. You've already had yeah. the experience. You're not just like a guy that moved here was like, I'm going to start a company. It's like you've basically been producing a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it takes so much work, and you know, like I know I'm going to have to start over in a lot of ways. And yeah, but I I do know a lot of people, and you know, I'm I think just just making stuff that I love and. And that's uh, Broadway musical, by the way. Oh, is that one too? That's one. That's on do the list. Do you sing? I do sing. Ooh. Is it, so do you do the music at these? Yes. Damn, see, I don't know anything. I mean. I told you I'm notorious for not knowing things. 
My mom doesn't think I can, I can sing, but I bet you can. If you say you can sing, you can probably sing. I am very aware that I can't sing. Like I know it to my sure? core. Oh no, I cannot sing. Listen, I'm. I'll let you know when I'm good at things. <laughs> so but singing is not one of them. No, okay. no, but not at all. all I right. don't think so. At least no, I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. Uh, so you want to do a Broadway musical? Yes. You want to be in one or produce one or both? Produce one first. Write and produce. Uh huh. That uh, actually, if there's one thing that I want to do next. Yeah. And that's one of my problems. Yeah. And it's like I want to do everything. And nothing wrong with that. It's put me on the slow track to everything I want to do. And that Read is Read the book, The Originals. Not necessarily true. The Originals? Uh-huh. What's that book? Again, I didn't read it. I listened to it on tape. Not the whole way through. Well, give me the bullet point. Uh, bullet point is uh, there's a misconception. Okay. A couple things. Number one misconception was that uh, people... You know, to to succeed in any sort of thing you want to do, and they they had uh, people from like musical artists to actors to you know uh, uh, people you know inventors yeah inventors uh, heads of business or whatever. The number one thing, if they had an original idea, the misconception is like, oh, you should just quit everything and only focus on that. Not true. The most successful people in the world kept their day job up until literally like the m- almost the minute they like made millions or something like John Legend was a business manager I think up until he won a Grammy uh there was there was so many different things the people that created Warby Parker the sunglasses or the glasses line they kept all their day jobs literally until it was super successful that's a w- big misconception that you can't you know because people think like oh you can't do everything I think there's something about it with like hedging your bets maybe where you're not overly like stressed and focused on mm-hmm. you know because um, people think about that in comedy where they're just like well I should just quit everything and just sleep on a friend's couch and only write comedy and do it. Yeah, but are you really going to do comedy that much more? You know, whatever. That's number one. Number two was the most successful people had a thousand things that they did before the the, the thing hit. Mm -hmm. So, and they were always doing new ideas and it was almost just like a numbers game. So thinking you can do everything and wanting to do everything is apparently a very good thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And it is true though. Like I look at all the, dozens of things I've done and it all has got me back to the musical thing mm-hmm. but um it is just doing one thing at a time and putting your focus into yeah. it um like literally b- in a day but yeah because um, you know people are developing all sorts of projects and yeah but if there's one thing I could do more than anything else like it would be to write and produce in a musical well you're gonna do it and it's gonna happen and then you that and then that first. and then that music is gonna play at your theme park mm-hmm. where all the lighting is perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything is going to be great. Well, where can everyone find you? This has been so fun. So s- give your social me. media handles and your podcast. Yeah, and easy peasy. At Jamie Flam for Twitter. I forget what Instagram is. Um, and then for my ga- gatekeeper, I think it's at gatekeeper pod. But if you look up gatekeeper podcast. It's on, on iTunes. Same. Yeah. And then the long shot podcast is also on iTunes and all those places. And you can find all that. Yeah. There w- I mean, I haven't heard long shot. I imagine it's really good. Gatekeeper is really good. Subscribe to it. And has a cool yeah. logo. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.